police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims. Killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. <laughs> Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. And we're cracking today, y'all. And you're breaking down the story for us today. That would be me. That's right. But before we get into our story, let's let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Just type in Grinding True Crimes. And there you can follow our page, like our page, and leave a comment on our page, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. But if you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, you can always go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, Podvine, and I always forget to mention this, Zencaster. That's one of our newest platforms that we're on as well, so listen to us on there. And if you're outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. If you guys like what you hear, and you like to support what we do, you can always download the Cash App app, and you can leave a donation, whatever it is that you want to do. If you like what you hear in support of what we do, you can leave it uh, at dollar sign, Grinding True Crimes, or you can go to PayPal and just type in uh, Grinding True Crimes. Listener's discretion is always advised because we do get into details that is uh, graphic and not suitable for certain audience. So listener's discretion is advised. And I wanted to mention, I know we don't normally do this, but uh, there's a new um, show that's out on HBO Max that uh, HBO Max that me and uh, Gabby watched recently. And it's a really good show. It's called Love and Death. It's a true crime story of, that takes place. It's actually based on a true story, a drama. A ah, can't even get the word. There you go. Thank you. Uh, it's a really good story. Um, don't want to spoil any details, real, uh, but um, if you want to look into a pretty good uh, series, it's called Love and Death. It comes out every Thursday. Um, binge the first four episodes if you want, because the next episode comes out this Thursday. It's called Love and Death, and it's a really good uh, uh, show. It's only on HBO Max, so not a paid sponsor or anything, just want to recommend a, a good show for you guys to watch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, we mentioned that we will be doing two lives. Um, hopefully, we'll get a chance to get into the studio, if not this week, next week. And as usual, we always do every last Sunday. So be on the lookout for that. We'll make an announcement when we have some time. But uh, be on the lookout. We will be trying to do two lives um, per month. I know we get a lot of uh, requests of that and you guys enjoy when we go live so we're looking into try to make two lives a month it's always going to be the last sunday of the month but we're going to figure out which other day we're going to do the live so keep that in mind all right i knocked out everything out the way with all that being said 
Todd Fox, you have the floor. You say you have a, a good story for us this today, right? Yeah, this is one that didn't take <clears throat> didn't take place not too long ago. So well, we're going to be pretty current with this one. We're not going to go back in time like we normally do. So uh, this one's going to take, and, and again, if I'm offending anyone in the state of Ohio, uh, this comes from people that actually live there. And this is uh, two or three people that live in different parts of Ohio. And they refer to Ohio as the butthole of America. Oh, I thought they called it the Buckeye State. <laughs> it starts with a B to them, but uh, not the Buckeye. <laughs> but uh, we're going to talk about Akron, Ohio. And that is the hometown of one LeBron James. So Thank you. You said his name right. Yeah. LaQueen, Le- whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Stop it. LaFlop. <laughs> Stop it. Go. We're not um, going to get into sports, but we'll just, we'll just start La there. LaFonda. Yeah, LaFonda. <laughs> don't be hating on the king. No, oh. I'm joking. Oh, how <laughs> dare you? <laughs> no, I'm yes, joking. Here, I don't call here him go. the king. Here we but go. Here we go. But he is he's a pretty good player. I don't care how arrogant most people are if they're celebrities, if they're up there in sports. He is the most arrogant. I cannot stand him. All I'm saying is uh, I don't remember Jordan calling himself the greatest. Other people call him the greatest. Uh, LeBron likes to self-title him, though himself that but anyway <laughs> moving on <laughs> moving on um this the city was founded by simon perkins in 1825 it was responsible for most of the manufacturing jobs in the in the uh, midwest uh goodyear was founded there still operates there to this day plus a lot of tire uh, factories um companies uh railroads stuff like that um back in the day it was pretty diverse um so it led to a lot of racial tensions in the 1960s and 70s. Um, they had a big uh, KKK uprising there uh, before that was kicked out, thankfully. And uh, But what happened is when the industry faded in the mid-80s, um, the city became very pover- poverished. Um, poverty came in. I don't know. What <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Makes sense, poverished. I haven't taken the right grammar classes. Oh, my God. <laughs> you haven't taken any lessons, apparently. Exactly. Get um, educated, Todd, will wait, you? Wait a minute. I, the grammar Nazis are going to kill us. Yes. I need to uh, revisit that teacher down in Miami. Maybe she could teach me a thing or two. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll took in a flight over there, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But there was there was a lot of poverty uh, in in that state for a while, and and but uh, the resurgence in the mid two thousands before everything happened with the COVID, the city was coming back in a lot in a strong way. Um, after the steady decline in the in the early to mid nineties, um, there was a lot of shootings, tensions, uh, uh, you know, violence in the city. <clears throat> a lot of a lot of things like that took place. Um, the racial the makeup of the city is right now currently 60% white, uh, about 31 to 30%, 33% African-American, 5% are Hispanic and 2% uh, uh, other. Um, we bring that up because in this particular area, it's going to be mostly black area, but it's affluent black area. It's what's more like um, you're like, uh, what's it called? Uh, your middle class. So it's it's in a fairly nice neighborhood where it's going to take place. Okay. Um, so it's sort of the suburbs, and it's, so it's a pretty nice area. Outstanding uh, residents for the most part live there. Um, it's called an area of a uh, Sherbondi Hills, which is just uh, west of Akron. So Sherbondi Hill. Sherbondi Hills, yeah. Mm. 
So we're going to talk about one Stanley Ford. <clears throat> not related to the Ford. Stanley no. Ford? Stanley Ford. And he's not from Detroit, eh? He's not from Detroit. Not related to the Ford family at all. <laughs> um, he was born in 1959 uh, with a good upbringing. Um, but his father died young. But his mother was an outstanding part of the neighborhood and she taught him well and 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 treated him well and taught him to be respectful to others and he grew up an outstanding worker uh he was a letter carrier for the usps which is the united states postal office and uh he would become retired semi-retired work for them maybe on the weekends if he had time but for the most part he was retired by the uh early to mid 2000s so he worked a long time for uh united states postal office um he lived in the house next to his mother. He wound up buying a house next to his mother's house, which he grew up in since 59. Um, when she would pass away in the mid 2000s, he would inherit that house and uh, he would live in it with his wife at the time, Anita. And uh, although he was up in years, he had two young daughters um, under the age of 10. So, oh. <clears throat> yeah, we'll keep that in mind moving forward here. Um, so he had two houses now? Yeah, he had two houses. He used his mom's house as either storage for stuff to put inside. It was a nice home. And his garage, he had a workshop out of there where he would tend to people's needs in the neighborhood. So he was like the go-to guy. Like if you needed something fixed, like a new mailbox, if you needed a door fixed, uh, um, you know, or maybe some car parts. Uh, he was that kind of handy man. He was that handy Yeah, I'll do anything for you. Like if there was an older resident and they couldn't take care of their lawn, he'd come over with his lawnmower and just mow their lawn. You sure his name wasn't Lawrence? <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Okay, we, every, everybody everybody in the black neighborhood got somebody like that, and they, they name is usually Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> now this guy's Stanley, so he was he was beloved in the, in the neighborhood. He was like the longest living resident of the neighborhood, so everybody knew him. Mm. Um, and they knew his mom prior to her death as well. Um, so Anita is his wife. Uh, like I said, they were, uh, they were, she was like almost 50. He was in his mid fifties and, uh, they had a nine year old and a seven year old. So Anita, darling. That is insane. In their fifties and they got kids so young. Yep. Correct. Papa of the Rolling Stone. He sure was. And uh, he he basically at this point is a stay at home dad. So he'll take care of his daughters while his wife, when it's school time, she works for the school district. So she has like an office job, good paying job. So she's the one that pays the bills right now. How do y'all feel about that? I don't mind about it, honestly. I, I think good. that if I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying I'm good. I'm good with that. If the woman wants to pay the bills and she can make the money, she got a better job than me. Then, and if she can afford to take care of everything, I'll stay at home and be the uh, the the stay at home dad. I'm good with it. You know, I agree with you. I think like it's relationship to relationship based. I know like a lot of people look down on it and they you know criticize it because they say, well, the woman's the one with the pants in the relationship and the mm -hmm. house, you know. I think if it's an arrangement between them, like she makes good money and she can take care of things and she enjoys it, like she wants to be there and the dad decides, okay, then maybe I should stay home, take care of the kids. I think that's fair. Like as long as one parent is there with the children, 
and they're not left alone and they both agree, hey, why not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. I'm on the fence. I knew you were. <laughs> Your face said it all. I'm on the fence on that one. I don't know. And why? I don't know. Just, I don't know. I, I don't think I don't know. I don't okay, know you asked us the question, so you need to give us your reasons. Uh, well, like I said, I just feel like you know the man should be the one that you know be the breadwinner. I guess not. Wouldn't say breadwinner, the one that's you know the main breadwinner. I would say so. Um, I don't have an issue with it. That for me personally, I, I would I would wouldn't I would feel more comfortable for me being working for me being the a full time worker or my. Um, and my wife to stay home, or if she want to get a part-time job, that's fine. That's just my liking. But I'm not against it, if, if vice versa. All right, everybody. If I ever become rich and that's just lounging at home, you guys better drag him out and get a job. Come on, get him out. He's going to be like, but you make millions. I don't care. Go work. <laughs> It'll be a Walmart greet or something. Hey, I'll do it. <laughs> Welcome to Walmart. <laughs> You'll be like, oh, damn, I forgot my yellow marker. Hold on. <laughs> Welcome to Walmart. Can I see your receipt? You'll be scaring more people than anything. Get the heck out of here. No, I'm just <laughs> All right. Sorry. We got to carry on. Sorry, Todd. No worries. Um, <clears throat> so moving on, Stanley Ford was also a devout Christian. Oh. So every Sunday morning he was there, rain or shine, suit and tie with the family. He was a big church, church guy. So everybody knew him right there. Um, across the street from him was Lindell Lewis. Uh, he he had a girlfriend. He was semi-retired himself. He was, uh, I think, in a, uh, if I remember right, he was in his 50s or 60s as well. Um, he had trouble with his hip. So sometimes, you know, the church was just down the street, but uh, Stanley refused to let Lindell hobble with his girlfriend down the street. Uh, so uh, Gloria it was his girlfriend, by the way. Uh, Stanley and his wife would say, "Hey, come on! I'm not accepting no. You're you're going to take a ride with us." And they would go down the street and together and attend church together. So the two couples, along with Stanley's kids, would pile into his big van and they would go down there and enjoy the service and then come home and have lunch or whatever uh, from time to time. So he really looks out for everybody. Yeah, he's like. Again, up to this point, there's no issues in the neighborhood. Everything's as, like, hunky-dory as can be. Wow. Yeah. So now we start to get a little a little, uh, a little, little issue right here. Uh, Lindell is, is basically a guy who, growing up, had some issues. And before he found God, he had some issues drinks uh, with uh, drinking and also smoking and doing various drugs but he changed his life found god found jesus and was trying to be a responsible uh, adult and now that he's semi close to 100 percent retired he wants to give back so he goes to the church and when there's those that are down on their luck like former uh, uh drug or sex addicts or the financially burdened he has a nice base uh, basement uh, that he renovated. That's almost like another room uh, that can fit, you know, two to three people with beds. He well, he uh, invites them to stay with him for a bit. Hmm. So um, the problem is uh, one of these guys is, is named Tom Hughley, 
and he was one of these men that had been down on his luck um, that would would start to stay at his house and start to pay him rent, though. He wasn't one of these other guys that would stay there just to get out of trouble or have a roof over their head. He was here, and he would actually start getting contracts around the neighborhoods to start mowing people's lawns, uh, taking care of their gardens, things like that. Just do a lot of landscaping type jobs. So, so he actually was pretty decent as well. But the thing was, he liked to drink beer. And, you know, although having, you know, being down on his luck, you want to, you know, get away from alcohol and things of that nature. Well, he's, he was still let, by Lindell to drink and then Thomas would bring over some of his friends from other neighborhoods and they'd be out there drinking and smoking and cigarettes and being kind of loud on on school nights and on the weekends and maybe playing some music it didn't bother Lindell as he slept upstairs he could sleep through loud noises but Stanley being across the street now was starting to get a little pissed uh-oh. Yeah, here's where it starts. So um, he would tell his wife, like, hey, man, uh, I-, I need to go over there and talk to Lindell. And his wife was like, you know what? Just let him be. He's trying to do God's work. Um, he's like, yeah, but he's bringing the wrong people in. You know, those people could be doing drugs. You know, now I'm starting. He would be just bugged and looking out his window every five minutes or at night. And, and just being like, you know, I know I've seen someone over there. They're sneaking around the cars. They're looking in the oh. cars. Like, and he's just getting really paranoid. Are you telling me he was a Karen? Oh, he's an extreme Karen. You'll Come see. Come on, my brother. <laughs> Why are people like, my dad is like that. I, I live and live your life and let other people live their life. That's not bothering you. Like, let, <laughs> let it be. When they're disturbing and they're really loud and you're trying to rest and stuff too, like, I would talk to them, but not be at the window, like, snooping. Yeah, it's like, that's so annoying. I mean, yeah, I'm probably look out the window and be like, oh, oh, okay, they got, yeah, but I'm not going to be like, look at these people. Nah, man, let them be. Let them be. Like my dad. Yeah, no, no, no. Policing everyone. (laughs) I'll probably go over there and draw, hey, let me get a beer. (laughs) Pull up. Yeah, you're the opposite of Stanley. You're more like Lindell. Yeah, man. <laughs> so the thing, another night went by and, you know, another night went by and, you know, it's a couple weeks now and Stanley can't put up with it no more. And he really can't put up with it when he hears that someone had reported, you know, uh, a woman uh, trying to solicit some sexual favors from some someone in the neighborhood. And that very same night, <clears throat> some someone's radio was stolen from their car. So he puts on his inner detective hat and goes over to Lindell and says, hey, you know what? I know it's Thomas. I know it's Thomas. And and Thomas is like, what are you talking about, man? I, I don't do that kind of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm I do things for the community just like you do. <clears throat> and um, Chester Williams was the one that his car was broken into. And mm-hmm. Chester had just, you know, said to Stanley, hey, you know what? It might have been one of these new people because he always has people, you know, in, in these in these areas. And all of us, you know, and, and he brings in new people. You never know. That, and all of a sudden now we have a robbery. Now all of a sudden we have these weird women in here or these women that are dressed real crazy. And supposedly like they're asking, you know, you know, pretty much prostitutes. 
So Stanley, being the the detective that he is, he went over to to uh, his house, and uh, or to to the Chester's house, and said, "You need to get some cameras up." So Chester took Stanley's advice, put some security cameras up, and then Stanley went over to Lindell's house and confronted uh, Thomas about it. And he accused him about doing it. And again, Thomas was telling him, no, I didn't do it. Uh, this, you know, I, I, I did that stuff when I was a kid. He go, and he goes, see, I knew it was in you. Once it's in you, it's always in you. And he says, I thought when God gets in you, you, you shed your past. And then he goes, don't you be throwing scriptures at me. And Stanley punched him. And he, he knocked him down to the ground, Thomas. And uh, Thomas got up. And he remember, he's in his, like, Thomas is like about 40 uh, right now barely 40 and you got stanley who's in his mid 50s and he, that's how he doesn't care you know he, he'll square up with anybody wait who punched who stanley punched thomas the younger guy oh okay yeah he, he knocked him to the ground they called the police no charges were filed but they were told to stay away from each other now lindell and mr ford stanley are not friends anymore oh no yeah yeah so <clears throat> this was this was something that um, that now Stanley's really paranoid. He puts in a camera system at his mom's house and on his house. Then he also puts a security system, security code, because he's thinking that some of his tools are going to be stolen. So he puts one in on his garage. And keep in mind of that security system that he puts in, because that's going to come up big in the story later on. Okay. Okay. So he puts that in place right there. Um, so again, right now, more and more people are coming over to hang out. The parties aren't getting smaller. Instead of like three or four guys drinking on a porch, it's more like 10 to 15 to 20 people now. Mm. And because Lindell doesn't want people staying over or sleeping on his porch like they had done on an occasion or two, he buys an old van and leaves it in his driveway so that if these people get too tired, they have a minivan to sleep in. Well, that's nice of him. <laughs> Outside I mean, of the house. <laughs> <laughs> hey. that's, that's dangerous already. Like, I mean, it is dangerous. I'm not you're just lie. allowing anybody to just come and stay at your house, and then you have your girlfriend there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's not smart. I call that a good host. It's <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> like you would be having people come stay at our house with me here. First of all, that's not going to happen. But I'm just saying, at least he's looking out for the people. And look, he does not want no drunk drivers. So he said, screw that. Just let you guys all go into my mini minivan like a pack of sardines and just sleep there. So, you, you know, let the booze go off. Yeah, but it's not just that. He's got people living in there already. Hey, I didn't. I didn't mention People all that. People aren't leaving. Yeah, it's becoming a hub now. Yeah. And, and the van is is inoperable, so it's not one of those you could drive off. So it's going to stay in the parking lot. Plus, whoever can't fit in the basement, you know, obviously goes to the van. You know, if you can't make it home, you're too inebriated, or you've had you know too much drugs or things like that. You know, he wants you to stay out of trouble. Don't get caught because that's the suburbs, and they will have some cops. That'll come by and pick you up if you're... Absolutely. Dude, That's a that good host. That is so contradictory. <clears throat> That's a good host. No, it's not a good host. <laughs> I'm giving you a hand and a place to sleep in because, you know, you shouldn't be driving drunk or all drugged out. 
but sure, spend all day at my house getting drugged and drunk. That's a good host. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my nerves now. Oh my god. Oh man. So now no. so now you have teenagers and family members uh, around the neighborhood that are starting to see you know, uh, maybe a little bit of drug paraphernalia hanging out or some bottles mm. and cans. Some people are even saying they witnessed a couple people having sex in the van outside because, again, it's outside for everyone to see. Mm. Um, and you got loud music at all times of night. It's not bothering Lindell. He's not telling anybody else um, about anything. Uh, during this time period, you're having a few houses that have been broken into, windows being broken on cars. And uh, just petty theft throughout the neighborhood, and everything automatically goes back to Lindell and his house. Of course. Yeah. So <clears throat> this is further pushing this, um, this, this, um, what do you call it? Feud even further. Now, <clears throat> something happens on one night here where Stanley um, and and the rest of the neighborhood is fast asleep. When a hooded man uh, with with uh, just you know black hoodie, uh, some people said he looked like a black man, but they couldn't tell. Doused the van with gasoline and lit it on fire. Oh, with people in there. Thankfully, this night there was nobody in there. But oh, the, but, but the car was on fire and was a total loss. Um, basically in the morning. When the fire department was there, the police were there. Stanley being across the street, they said, can we check your cameras? Uh, he said, oh, the, the, uh, yeah, you could check the cameras. And they, they saw a fuzzy person walk, you know, walking up to the van and then running away. And then that's it. You know, they didn't get a clear picture of anything. And uh, they were like, well, you know, you know, this person was all dressed in black. We don't know his complexion. There's no, uh, you know, they checked the other cameras. They really couldn't get a good visual on the person. So... Yeah, and it's at nighttime. Yeah, well, that's what you're guessing so far. <laughs> and the Johnsons were like, well, that's a car fire. Maybe the, the thing then started on its own and sparked a fire. And the guy and Lindell's like, look, this car doesn't work. Yeah, but sometimes it kind of blow up, you know, spontaneous combustion. <laughs> so... But, uh, but yeah, they were, they were at a loss. They were like, okay, then, you know, what are we doing here? Um... So the police really had nothing to go on, and, and Lindell's pissed off. He has to get the car towed, um, and they basically go at it again. And now in the street, and there's a massive brawl between Thomas and his buddies, and and Lindell's trying to hobble over there and, and swing his his cane at at Stanley. Stanley's got some of his neighbor friends on his side, so police have to come in there and be like, "Hey, man, you guys need to stay on your sides of the street. Leave each other alone." Um, this is, you know, this is stupid, you know, like whatever, we'll figure this out. Just stay away from each other. And so they warned each, each side and, you know, Thomas had a friend named Ronald and, and he's like, you know what? I know Ronald does drugs. I know he, he owns some of these prostitutes. He's a pimp. He probably owes someone some drug money and they set your car on fire. Lindell, you should get these people off your property as quickly as possible. He's like, don't tell me what to do. I could do whatever I want. I'm doing God's work. What are you doing? And it's just a back and forth. They wouldn't shut up. Yeah. Cause it's God's work to have prostitutes and drug addicts and alcoholics out of your house. Yes, yes. So, unfortunately, we have a date. 
Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know what that means when we have a date on this show? Yes. It's over. It's over Uh-oh. for somebody. But April 18th, 2016. Oh, wow. Jeez, that is recent. Seven years ago. Yes. Um, <clears throat> 2016. Uh, it's, it's, an, it's a week later after the van incident. And uh, once again, Thomas has had a after hours party after he's worked all day it's a you know it's it's the weather's changing he's been doing a lot of landscaping it's getting a little warmer uh you know so he had a long day he had drinks with his friends uh he had just went to sleep around 1 a.m in the morning and it is now 2 a.m in the morning and uh you know uh, just a week later or a week earlier, Lindell Lewis had a um, hip replacement surgery. And his room is upstairs. These homes are about built in the 1930s, 1940s. So they're mostly made out of wood. And they have a brick uh, chimney in the middle of the home or whatever. And they're about two stories, uh, three bedrooms. And like I said, it has a basement in the attic or whatever. But since the surgery, his uh, girlfriend has been taking care of him, and he's been pretty much bedridden. If you've ever had hip surgery, you're not too mobile with that. So he's upstairs, and he's asleep up there. He's asleep with her. It's 2 in the morning, and all of a sudden, uh, a window breaks, and Thomas is in the basement, and he looks up, and there's flames. So oh. surrounding the uh, surrounding the basement of the home. So he gets up and he he gets up to the upstairs part of the living room area, and where where the staircase is by the kitchen, and there's smoke everywhere, and everything's on fire. And all oh, he, crap. yeah, all he could do right now is hear Lindell and his girlfriend screaming from upstairs, and. Oh. And he's trying to he's trying to get uh, to the stairway, but everything is mostly in that home is wood, and it is just it is on fire. He actually has to crash through a front window, break through a window to get out. So, as the house is going up on fire on fire right now, the neighbors are running outside because they hear the popping of the wood and everything, and, and the flames are in, intense. And it's actually on uh, Chester's home home video, uh, the security video, and also Stanley's of the fire breaking out, and uh, and the 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 uh, just the intensity, right? So they're calling the fire department, and they're trying to, and the fire department's on their way. The neighbors go to the window, and there's flames and smoke coming out of the room, but uh, there people are screaming at Lindell to just jump out the window. And he's like, I can't, I can't, my hip's broken. I won't survive it. I won't survive the fall. Get a ladder to me. And as they're trying to get a ladder to him, they have these plastic ladders that are catching on fire or they're melting as they try to put it to the wall of the, of the home. The heat is just too damn hot. So they're, they're telling Gloria to jump as well. Save yourself. Try to get out. And as they're trying to talk to them, the flames start getting closer to the window and they kind of disappear back into the smoke where they're never heard from again. The firefighters get there 10 minutes later and they finally put the fire out at 4 a.m. A full two hours later where they're finally able to get in there, get upstairs 
and find both Lindell and Gloria huddled together in the bathroom where they died of smoke inhalation. <sighs> what a horrible death. Yeah. Very, very tough. And Emily's um, doing. Yeah, and here, here's the thing, though. Right away, who do you think the cops went to? Him. Thomas. Thomas is right. They went to the one living in the house saying that either he's responsible for killing the hosts or someone he knows maybe he owed a drug debt. They're going off of Stanley's words. Dang. So he becomes a prime suspect, and all he's doing is weeping because he lost someone that gave him a hand, someone that gave him an opportunity. Well, I mean, they have valid reasons with the whole drug thing and the fact that he's living there, and they could be like, coincidentally, you escaped, but they burned to death. Like, you had enough time to do this and run out, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, who's the person that he's having all the problems with? It's Stanley. Yep. Yep. And, oh, go ahead. No, I didn't say that. So, so what happens is, you know, Stanley now, after they start investigating Thomas, they go to Stanley and they go to Chester and they know that they have video and they also look at what's left of the home. Surprisingly, Lindell had a camera system that, although the fire was so hot, the camera footage actually survived because it went to a cloud. Oh, wow. So by that happening, they were able to uh, able to view the, st- the, the video. Now, the video's online. You could take a look at it. Um, you see a dark figure in a, in a hoodie, kind of kind of uh, uh, he's, he's kind of hefty uh, and husky, and he's pouring lighter fluid all over the front of the house. And he literally lights a match and just takes off. And that's like, and and then on the other one, Chester's video, you see him running back towards Stanley's house. Wow. And when the, the, the detectives asked to see Stanley's video, it magically wasn't recording. So although the person ran into Stanley's yard, they don't have any other video showing him entering Stanley's home. No one else saw the figure except on those two video cameras. And they asked Stanley, and Stanley's very like, hey, man, I was sleeping. And they're like, wait a minute, you slept through this whole thing? I I don't know what you're talking about. And he's very combative. And basically they're like, you know, you kind of fit the description a little bit of the guy. You know, the guy's kind of husky. And uh, he's like, "I, I don't know what you're talking about. And as soon as the p- police were like, hey, he looks like a pretty good suspect. Then you had one, you know, you had, uh, what is it? Uh, what's his name? Um, Thomas. What's that? Thomas. No, not Thomas. Uh, the other detective. Jeez, uh, Cletus. Cletus Freedom. was like, hey, I just did some research and Lindell's ex-wife just took out a, a insurance policy on him two months ago. And so all of a sudden, the ex-wife and her new boyfriend became prime suspects. Ooh. Yeah. So they're thinking, okay, they just took out a $150,000 policy on Lindell two months ago. 
and now he's dead. So standing. I have a question about that. Uh huh. I I didn't know this, but it's so stupid to me that anybody can take out a life insurance policy on you. Correct. Like it's the ex-wife. Why is she allowed to take out a policy on her ex-husband? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how those work, to be honest. But that is stupid to me. Unless he never changed her as a beneficiary. No, they said she took out. She had just bought that life insurance two months prior. Oh. Yeah, she was making herself the beneficiary no matter what. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yep. So. Mm. Her reasoning was that they were taught to take care of one another, but there was no record or any kind of knowledge that Lindell knew about this particular policy. And what made them get off of Stanley even more was the fact that they couldn't verify the alibi for her new boyfriend. Mm. And her new boyfriend was kind of husky as well. I was about mm. to ask that. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's now all of a sudden like, hey, um, and, and then the motive about the they, they kept hearing, uh, you know, you know how they always say word on the street is, I heard this guy, you know, little Pookie said to Dookie that that, uh, <laughs> that Dookie set the fire. You know what I mean? Like you had all these people. <laughs> we all know the street talk. <laughs> oh yeah, everyone has a nickname, but they never know the first name. So I only know oh, him yeah. but Dookie. Yep. So. That's a fact. <laughs> Is that a fact? That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's their way of saying, you know what? I'll I'll rat, but I'm not gonna really rat because it's not really using his name, you know. Not using the government. Exactly. So um there was also a man named Macklemore who had heavy prior uh drugs. Macklemore? Macklemore, <laughs> yes. His first name was Macklemore. My man. <laughs> <laughs> and supposedly yeah, Macklemore was that uh, that t- terrible rapper, but uh, we won't get into. Hey man, you leave him alone, man. He represented <laughs> so, for the white people. Or it's like it's like when you say his name, it's like R- Macklemore rapper, like a question. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> I take it you didn't like Macklemore. Move on. He's <laughs> terrible. Um. So oh, he, so he's being looked at too because. He got into Thomas told him that he got into a discussion with, um, you know, Macklemore and Lindell one night and Macklemore was pissed because he had asked him for money to get through something he was going through. And Lindell had the money to give him, but wouldn't give it to him. And uh, he got pretty pissed off and uh, broke something on the way out of Lindell's house. So Thomas was kind of helping, you know, throw the scent off of Stanley and everybody else. But let me get this right. Mm hmm. This man got mad at Lindell because he wanted money and he, Lindell, didn't give it to him. Exactly. That was, that was <sighs> the, intent. the entitlement. Seriously. Exactly. So, as you can imagine, with an unsolved case in a neighborhood like that, people that was once, it, they were once, say, a, a close knit community, everyone talked to each other. Now you have people kind of avoiding each other. You have people kind of like pointing the finger at each other. Um, It's not the same. And it makes things worse when the home is sitting there burnt to a crisp for a good six months until they finally knock it down in early 2017. So, you know, 
now the reminder is an empty lot that no one's building a home on, so it's just sitting there, and it's a constant thing. I um, mean, I don't blame them. How could you trust anybody at that point? Like, you don't know who the hell did it or who you live around? Yeah, because the the one thing is, there everyone can agree on that it had to be someone close to the to that neighborhood, it had to be someone in the neighborhood, and it was likely someone that knew the Lindell family and stuff like that. Agreed. Yep. So now we fast forward a little bit into to early 2017 as well, when just a couple homes down from Stanley Ford on the opposite side where Lindell's street, uh, Lindell's side of the street was, um, you have the uh, Huggins Boggs family that moves in. So, Huggins Boggs? Yeah, it's... it's Huggins Boggs. Yeah, this You've got is... some names on this story. Yeah, well, it's because uh, it's it's two it's it's one of those families where you know the two get together, but they're not really married, so they're using two last names. Uh, okay. Yeah, got it. And uh, they move into a home that's built in the early '40s. It's pretty sturdy. Um, this is a blended. It's a, it's it's like a three to four bedroom home, but they fit the big family in there, and I'll explain that in a second. Okay. Um, they weren't married, like I said. Dennis Huggins is the the husband. Uh, he's an African American male. He's thirty five years old. Angela Boggs is thirty eight. She's a white female. Oh, I knew that. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, so it's a blended family, like I said. Uh, <laughs> Angela, uh, let's see. Uh, Dennis had four kids prior, uh, or no, he had four kids uh, with Angela, consisting of Deja Huggins, six. Um, let's see, uh, the little boy Huggins at five, I, I missed his name on here, Olivia Huggins, three, and Camera, Cameron Huggins, 16 months old. So Dane, have, how many are they? Four. Yeah, there's four oh. right there. That sounded like more. Well, you have Angela, who already had three kids of her own, or two kids of her own, sorry. Um, she had uh, Brittany Boggs, who was 17, and Jared Boggs, who was 14 years old. So wow. yeah, you have six kids and two parents, so there's a total of eight people in the house. So um, Dennis had a career and went uh, as an engineer, an electrical uh, electrical technician. Uh, he went to Devry University as an apprentice, and uh, it was a demanding job. But with all those kids coming left and right, one of them had to stay home, and she was a top-notch dialysis technician. She made really, really good money, and although he went to college and all that other stuff, it's like he wound up being a stay-at-home dad, just like <sighs> yeah. Oh, so so um, she would make the bacon, and um, he was cool with that. He stayed home. He was like, "All right, you know." So about a about a month into their arrival, they really had missed each other this entire time. But Stanley would meet uh, Mr. Huggins for the first time. And he saw Mr. Huggins, Den- Dennis's uh, uh, brother, come by, and who's all dressed in a suit and looked really nice and well kept. And he said, and uh, he's like, oh, hey, where are you doing all dressed up? He's like, well, I'm going to church. I go to the Pentecostal church just down the street. He goes, oh, we're Baptist and everything else like that. That's good to know you guys read the Bible. And Dennis comes out and says, oh, we're the new family and moved in. Oh, nice to meet you. Everyone's, you know, ex- uh, 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 exchanging pleasantries. Everyone's good. And, uh, you know, they say, okay, we'll see you around, you know, brother, I'm, I'm glad to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And they, and they go off their separate ways, right? 
<laughs> is, that, is that how we talk now? Yeah, I say brother, you know, thing there. give each other the fist bump, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just going by what I what I read. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> pleasantries and that's all is good, right? <laughs> so what do you think oh, happens three weeks later? Oh man. <laughs> They're gonna have run ins. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say uh, they owe somebody owed somebody some money and then they're gonna have like a little squabble. Mm, okay, Gabby. Yeah, I said they're gonna have a run in. Oh, run it. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't. I thought you were gonna say okay. So, Gabby's right. They had a run in, and what was it over? It religion. Was, no, actually, what it was, well, it got into religion. But what it was, was Stanley saw him leaning over into a car, giving someone something, and then they drove off. And it was around 8 o'clock at night, and Stanley was walking his uh, wife's dog. And he says, hey, what were you just doing right now? And he goes, uh, oh, man, it's nothing, man, just selling a little weed. And, uh, again, this is 2017, so it's not legal there. And um, and he's like, hey, man, I don't want that stuff in my neighborhood, man. Like, like, what are you doing? You know, God says this. And then he starts throwing scriptures. He's like, man, don't do, don't you be throwing scriptures at me. He goes, you don't know me. He goes, I just do this as a side hustle. It's very little. I'm not selling bricks of this stuff. It's just like just something for me to do. He, and he goes, you grow this stuff here, too? He goes, how dare you? And he goes, man, I could do whatever I want. Keep walking, old man. And bam, there it goes. Uh Oh, see, see, um. I'm not really liking Stanley. Now, I understand he wants to keep his neighborhood clean and everything. I I get all that. But mind your business, man. Let people live. If he's a Karen, his name is now Starin. <laughs> Starin. Karen. <laughs> yeah. Stanley Johnson. Stanley needs to mind his business. Mind his business. Stanley Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and this and this now would turn into part two, because oh, no. Dennis There's babies in that house. Dennis would now have his family over, which was pretty big, and he had a couple of brothers who had big families as well. And uh, you know they would have parties and uh, little and and nothing like Thomas from prior uh, from prior times. And keep in mind now, uh, Thomas is living at the church down the street he's still doing people's neighborhoods so when he walks through the neighborhoods people are still giving him the stink eye so he's already got a bad look on his on him as well and people are suspecting him and uh you know dennis's family has been labeled by stanley to some of the other neighbors as troublemakers look out for the uh, 14 year old bogs boy uh he breaks into cars do you know because there's now all of a sudden a rash of little petty theft going along in the neighborhood Oh, and Stanley starts telling everybody, "Look out for those those people right there," you know. Mm. And, and yeah, I'm not liking this Stanley guy. <laughs> so, <Barely? laughs> yeah. And Dennis's family's having honest to good cookouts. Nothing, nothing like like Lindell's side where it was all hours of the night. You know, these people are having cookouts, throwing the football in the front yard or the backyard. They're, they're, you know, they're playing, they're, the kids are playing tag. There's nothing there, but he's labeling these people as being terrible. So we have a date. Oh, oh man. Don't do it. I'm sorry. 
May 15th, 2017. So we're looking just over a year. Just over a year. From the prior fire. And it is one in the morning at this time. Dennis and his wife wake up to smoke billowing up the side of all sides of the home. And one person one person is is the first one, a neighbor is the first one to call nine one one. For some reason the cell phones that the two cup that the couple had were not working. Mm. Dennis, uh, Dennis, or they couldn't get the, the phones weren't traveling out to nine one one. But all the neighbors, you could listen to the the calls. They were calling the fire department. The fire department were on their way quickly, as the fire was starting to engulf the house. Dennis ran to each room and got the kids huddled to their room to where the fire wasn't at yet, and they were trying to get to a window to where they could possibly get out, but the windows were engulfed on on multiple sides and there was no safe way to get the kids out and him and and the wife so they're yelling out any any open space that they can and the neighbors are screaming and they're trying to grab water hoses and as the fire department pulls up the worst thing that can possibly happen happens the fire extinguisher on that street was broken oh my god it had no pressure whatsoever so the fire department had to call in well they already had called in extra units but those units had to then connect hose to hose from two blocks down and rush it to that house so it took them 15 minutes longer to get the first hose and the water on the fire and by that time it was too hot for even the firefighters to enter the house so when they finally were able to get it under control and enter the home, they found all six or f- uh, I'm sorry, um, seven of the Boggs Huggins family huddled in the room, dead of smoke inhalation and burns. Where's the eight? Where's the eight? Brittany, she was the oldest. She was out of town on an internship for high school uh, for a class she was taking. And she got the call the next morning that her entire family was gone. Dang, man. Yep. Yeah, this ain't no coincidence. You gotta tell me they finally, they know it's him, right? Well, let's let's get into what happens here. I don't like it. I don't like your reaction there, Ty. Don't do that to me. They went to, once again, Chester, who his camera was working. He's still in the neighborhood. And they saw the same type of figure. Now, the Johnsons actually thought about this and were like, wait a minute. We we still have that one case from last year, right? That guy looks so similar to the other guy. And he's walking over to Stanley's house. We should warn Stanley. And then the other cop's like, man, maybe it is Stanley. And then they just were going back and forth. And then finally, yeah, someone, you know, after the donuts were all eaten, they, they realized the coffee <laughs> kicked in. You, we should interview Stanley. And they went over to Stanley because the same type of dude went over to the house. It appeared that, you know, there's no cameras on the Huggins house. But it appeared that from afar, the guy had the same run when they compared the two videos. He had the same walk because when he walked past Stanley's house or in between the two homes, and the same kind of accelerant was used in the same part of the house from prior. 
So right away there wasn't this, hey, let's look for a drug dealer, let's look for this, let's look for that. They went after Stanley and they saw that he, you know, basically had no uh, video there and they started to interrogate him. How come you didn't come out? He was yelling at the firefighters to stay off his lawn when they were putting out the fire. Um, he was Are just, you serious? Yeah, he's being a total jackass. So he was mad the at all. The moron didn't even think of like participating so they wouldn't doubt him? Nope. <laughs> Not whatsoever. Wow. Now, here's another thing that threw this case off for a couple of weeks. Or or for at least a week. Um, uh, Huggins, Dennis's uh, uh, wife, Angela, or girlfriend, Angela, she was still technically married to a guy who had tried to take her life seven years prior or eight years prior with oh. a knife. And the police quickly went after him because he had made threats over the years because he didn't like Dennis being a black guy and also having them having mixed kids. So he had threatened Angela over the years and he was then found with a weapon on him. So he was arrested and, and, and he was like, oh man, you know, the cops were like, I think we got our guy here. You know, this guy set, it makes sense. He set fire to his, his family. And then some of the investigators were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We already got a guy that looks similar. No, 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 no it's this guy. And they were the, the police were arguing with themselves. And and wow. They went after this guy, Patrick, and Patrick actually admitted to it. So they really took him serious until they heard his story and they said, Okay, genius, how do you start the fire? And he's like, Oh, well, they were barbecuing that day, and I took the coals that were right there from the barbecue, or I poured them out on their porch, I put kerosene on them and lit a, a match, and the whole house went up and the fire department were like, there was no coals there used. It was straight kerosene and gasoline. There was none of that. So right away, fortunately, they did their homework and Patrick was ruled out. I don't know why he <clears throat> tried to try to take credit for murdering seven people, but he the, the hate his hatred for all of them. Yes, exactly. Jesus. Yeah. So we're talking days later. Uh, there's a candlelight vigil by everyone in the surrounding neighborhoods in front of the homes. Everyone's putting flowers out there, stuffed animals, because all those little poor little babies died. And um, the, the the Akron mayor was there. They were like, this is the worst thing and, in, in, you know, worst fire in Akron history. Uh, I feel for this family. You know, they have a lot of people speaking out about it. Stanley's there and he's hugging Brittany, saying the person that did this should go to hell. Yeah, him. So he's, he's hugging demon, right? And uh, she's so like numb to everything; she doesn't realize because you know she's been gone on an internship. She doesn't realize the crap that's been going on. She just takes the hug from Stanley and was like, "Wow, that's a nice neighbor." So <clears throat> now the police refocus now on Stanley, and they're looking for stuff. And one of the detectives goes to his mom's house. And they see a security uh, system set up and they're like, I wonder if it has memory of when it's been activated and deactivated. And they happen to see on the night of the fire, just five minutes before the fire was set, the camera system was shut off and the access to the garage was uh, allowed to get then set gas tanks that they saw that were now empty. Mm. And when they further used the, the information on the computer and they downloaded the, the information from the security systems, 
it magically went back from when they first installed it so they could go back over a year and they went back and they saw the same thing it was activated prior to the first fire at Lindell's house and then act or deactivated prior to the the house fire at Lindell's house and then reactivated right after the fire was already engulfing the house wow so the two incidents matched each other and both times he was said to be asleep when those fires went on so those search warrants that they got to search Stanley's house worked because they were able to find all that evidence the gasoline matched the accelerants at both homes so they were able to realize this guy's he he did both he did both uh, fires now Stanley would would be arrested and charged for nine counts of homicide uh, the problem is COVID happened and that took delays and there were more evidence gathering uh, the prosecution or not the, the defense um, was saying that the prosecution was tampering they went to court for that there was a bunch of other stuff the trial finally concluded in late 2021 wow damn and what do you think he got uh that don't sound good oh yeah <laughs> are you kidding me 25 uh, years yeah i was about to say that maybe 20 years 25 years no 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 uh he got 90 years Nine? Ninety. Oh, oh, okay. I heard nine. Okay. Ninety. He got ninety nine. years, and here's the part that will piss you off. Because in Ohio they do uh, honor the death penalty. Wait and a minute, he got ten years per death. Pretty much. And he got he got another, I think, six years for arson, so a total of ninety six. Um but he avoided the death penalty. Not because the judge recommended death penalty. The prosecution in the state uh, tried for the death penalty, but the jury said no death penalty, which I have no idea. And the judge actually railed the jury afterwards as far as talking crap and being pissed off that they didn't recommend or didn't follow through with the death penalty recommendation. And she also, as she's explaining the charges and the fact that she had to sit on this case for five years, or no, not five years, um, four years, and have to, you know, go through the whole system and, and review this case and, and hear all the evidence and those poor babies that died. She was upset. And every time she was trying to make a point and, and, and the, after the closing statements were done and she was giving her assessment of the case, he would interrupt her and be like, I don't agree with that. Jesus says I'm fine. I I did what's right, and and she would Stanley? be Stanley. Yeah, Stanley would kept mouthing off, and he's like, Oh man, she was oh. floored. She's like, If someone doesn't shut him up, I will shut him up myself. I mean, she was like losing her cool. Hey, bro, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> she I bet th- that jury felt stupid after. I would have been held in contempt. <laughs> well, she might have given herself contempt because she was so angry. She's like, she's like, if if you don't shut up right now, she goes, I can't begin to tell you what a loss you've caused this entire family. And she's like, the fact that they're willing to forgive you because his brothers 
actually in their closing statement prayed for the Huggins family, prayed for Stanley and his family and his daughters and said that they forgive him. Jesus forgives him. And they're, they're like, you, she was so pissed because she's like, you show no remorse to that family. You've never said sorry, never one tear, no nothing, yet they're willing to forgive you for killing all of their grandkids and their nieces and nephews. Ah. Crazy. Ah, man. I this the- person that comes from a good upbringing, does good for the community in all his years, how do you turn into that? <sighs> So cold and heartless and just not give a damn about the lives you're taking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, man. And Uh, it's like, if you're mad at a person, don't take it against their entire family. Yep. But that's, that's all I got on this case. Nine guilty of nine murders does not get the death penalty. And I bet you he is not in Gen Pop. Oh, he's probably in Gen Pop. Dude, I don't know. That's a good question. I wasn't able to see anything about that because uh, let's see. If he was born in '59, he's like 41. Uh, he's he's 64 right now. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of person that somebody needs to get to. Oh yeah, he's probably he, he he's definitely got to be in Jim Pop. I don't think so. They that's how it them. always is. You they commit protect- the most horrific crimes. You take all these lives, including little babies who didn't know anything. anything. You ruin a whole family and they protect you because they know somebody's going to want to get you. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. The judge wanted the death penalty. Everyone, the prosecutors wanted the death penalty. The jurors were the ones who said no. So that's what I'm saying. I don't think the judge is trying to protect this dude. I, I hope he gets his comeuppance, but the, you know, Again, it's like the other story. Do you root for a quick death or painful death, or do you just give them, you know, the shot? Very painful. Very painful. (laughs) Hold it down, Akron. Do do your thing, Akron. We know what, if you've listened to one show, you know what Gabby wants, no matter what. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Dissect his brains while he's alive. He didn't even use the wing. Don't matter. (laughs) I said his brains. Oh, the brain. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's fortunately no wangs in this uh, this story, but uh, there's just, I mean, it's tragic. And I mean, I think they dropped the ball the first time, you know, had the police, you know, did their, their uh, due diligence the first time and maybe got that search warrant that they got the second time. Maybe these seven people are still alive to this day. Uh, but, That's sad, man. That's yeah. sad. Because the information was on that security system, you know, the whole time. You know, <sighs> they were also able to use some DNA evidence. So if people are like, well, if it, that sounds a little circumstantial, they still had they had a little bit of DNA that they found on some of the clothes and that, that he wore at those particular times. They were able to trace it back. So they mm-hmm. were able to nail him with everything, basically. But the time stamps were huge. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's that. Uh... All over getting annoyed by people. What the? And I bet you he said I did this in the name of Jesus. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what people like to hide behind when they cre- create atrocities. You know, unfortunately, they use they use uh, you know, because uh, I'd like to see where it says that in the Bible. You can go ahead and burn your 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 neighbors or family or stuff like that. I mean, it's just 
just because you don't like what they do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's just, it's just, uh, it's unfortunate, man. I mean, again, uh, if, if you're going to, his, his, his whole thing turned, turned to the family just because of Dennis and he just left it alone. Like Matt said, and stop being a Karen, focus on yourself or the people that are cool with you, then this probably wouldn't happen too. But you know, people, exactly. people go to the extreme. It's just ridiculous. Something's wrong there. That, Something's something... gotta be wrong there for a long time. Like you're just pretending to be something you're not yeah. because you're trying to escape whatever the hell you're battling with yourself. And not to, this is a totally different subject, but um, it, he probably has some mental health issues. Oh, most likely. I mean, maybe the anger made him go mental. Yeah. You know. And and I get it. We all have mental health issues, but that is an excuse to allow people to just let them do whatever they want. That yep. isn't an excuse. No, I'm saying like mental health is not an excuse to just be able to do whatever you want. You said that is an excuse. Isn't. No, I said isn't. I just said it low. Okay. But that's not an excuse to do whatever the heck you want. And that's not, you know, just because someone has mental health doesn't mean that we can't as citizens protect ourselves and our loved ones. And if you understand what I'm saying, it was a video that came out with someone who had mental health and a Marine had, you know, took him out. And now there's an uproar for that. So that's why I said that, you know, a lot of people have mental health issues, but that doesn't mean that we can't protect ourselves from ones that have mental health. And, you know, he probably clearly had that mental health issue. So I don't know, man, that sucks, man. Yeah, it's 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 very frustrating, you know, and then that neighborhood is hasn't been the same since obviously. A lot of people have moved out. Um Oh yeah. Yeah, it's just a, it's a it's a real eyesore for for the neighborhood and for the city of Akron obviously. So uh, <sighs> that's so I feel bad for for that whole family. Yeah, all of them, all the victims. Mhm. Imagine waking up in the middle of the night and your whole house is engulfed and you have really nowhere to go. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking of where we're staying right now. I'm, I'm thinking of an escape pod. That's what makes me mad with his sentence. It's like he went through the trouble of making sure nobody could get out. Exactly. And he that knew the those... whole family was going to go down. And he knew those homes would, would light up like matchsticks, being mostly wood, you know? So it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. So And there's there's video footage of uh of all that stuff online of both fires, the security cameras, the news stories about it. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't gonna go look for that. I'll probably check it out. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's uh I might post the links if if everyone wants to see it or or at least check out the news stories. Um the security footage is pretty crazy because the first fire at Lindell's house, I mean that it doesn't get much more blatant than that. And then it they if you put the two videos together, I mean it's not it's not a hard sell to see it's the same dude. You know, because the the walk and the run after the like the walk to the fire is the same 
the guy walks kind of like on, you know, like with a limp or like a noticeable limp, and then he runs away the same way. So, <clears throat> yeah. It's a missed opportunity that first time, unfortunately, a year prior. He's <clears throat> sick. Yep. Nine people dead. That's crazy. That's the worst way to go, man, to burn. To burn a lie. Mm-hmm. I'd rather drown than to burn a lie. The thing is that the smoke will kill you before you even burn, so they didn't even feel that. That's like the slightest positive thing that they didn't feel getting burnt and scorched to death or watching their children. Yeah, the smoke probably, took them out. Yeah, they probably choked to death on the hot smoke. Probably so. You're probably right. But it's, it's just it's just sad. I think the last moments of, of both sides, you know, not having a way out must have been a helpless, helpless feeling, man. Especially as a man. And then your neighbors trying by all means and like seeing that they can't get you out and knowing your whole family, all your babies are in there with you. The yep. helplessness and the trauma of not being able to help. And I know it wouldn't have mattered, but, you know, even if they had a fire extinguisher, it, a fire like that, it ain't, it ain't going to do too much. Yeah, if you saw by the time the fire department was able to get water on it, how bad it was, it's like there's no way. Those people were already gone by then. Yeah, and and it, it did take a toll on the fire department too because, in the news reports, they were um, crying because, um, especially the the neighbors who were around there, like Gabby said, them they said that it started out with the big body bags, obviously of the parents, and then they were taking out smaller body bags one by mm. one, and that's tough to see, you know. Yeah. Tough story, man. Tough story, bro. Yep. Two in a row to get us going again. No, that last one was that was bad. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we I got a lot of, we got a lot of comments about that on social media too. That was like people were like, damn, I can't get through this story. Yeah, that one was tough. And we had to put the story out there because it was more about the system more than anything, you know. Yeah. So Well, thank you, Todd Fox, for breaking down that story for us today, sir. You're welcome. And for those who's listening, we thank you guys for listening in and tuning in to your favorite trio, as they call us. <laughs> but uh, we're closing it off for tonight. But um, before we do, I want to remind you guys once again where you can find us. Just go to YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Type in Grinding True Crimes and Subscribe to our page, like our page, comment on our page. Once again, we'll get back to your comments as soon as possible. And then listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, Podvine, and Zencaster. And for those outside the U.S., it's Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. So... With all that being said, we're getting out of here, and uh, we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day, evening, night, or whatever time you're listening to us. But we're out. So this is uh, Maddie Matt along with Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. We out of here. Toodles. Peace. Y'all come back now, yeah? <laughs> <laughs>